Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Tanya. And I'm Carrie. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 95. Today, we'll be talking about back to school 2021, what's working and what we're working on. We'll also talk about our highs and lows from our first week, share a work smarter, not harder teacher tip. And in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. So now that we are back to school, yay, yay, we've been in school for one week, well, four days, four days, five. not bad. That feels like a full week. That's for sure. For um, sure. We're going to share some highs and lows, just like we used to. Things that happened in our classroom this week, the good, the bad, the ugly, the hilarious. So, um, Tanya. I've got all those things, good, bad, ugly, and hilarious. But always. I'm going to zone in. I'm going to zone in on um, one particular thing that was kind of, I, I, I would say a light bulb moment, but it's, you know, you have these light bulb moments over and over and over again. Um so I have a handful of new students, like we all do each beginning of the school year. Um, and I have one particular new student. We're, we were playing, um, uh, we were actually doing Alabama Gal. And I noticed this student was kind of like really reserved, kind of sluggish, not really moving and grooving like um, the other kids were. And to be fair, the other kids have been, with me for several years. And so they've done like peel the banana move. They've done these moves and they know you got to go, go, go. And this particular student um, was like just very reserved and about mm, five, six beats slower on the go, go, go. Well, okay. Initially, you know, what happens in my teacher brain is I'm like, what's going on? What's, why is this child not participating? I don't get it. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so I, whenever that happens, I have to like remind myself, okay, here's a new student in a new environment. Maybe this person is, the student is not used to all of this stuff. So you got to really give them the benefit of the doubt. So slightly later in, during the class, we were doing an activity which re required everyone to pair up and share something. We had a conversation starter, right? And I, made sure, I make sure that I'm involved in this too. So there's like two minutes of talking back and forth between two students or me and a student. And then we're roaming around the room again, singing a song and then stopping and talking to somebody else new about a new topic. So I made sure I went over to my student. I'll call her Evelyn and that's not her name. But um, so I made sure to go over to Evelyn and have a conversation with her. And she was telling me, oh boy, shoot one-on-one, -on -one, she volunteered a lot of information and she's really a very sweet, delightful student, but very reserved in the group. And it was just this reminder of me, for, for me, that I need to make sure that I get to know these kids one-on-one, -on -one, especially when I start feeling scratchy about their behavior in the group situation, you know? Totally. So that really just gave me a lot more, okay, I know wow, Evelyn, she just got to the school. I know she's new to the state even. Mm -hmm. And she told me like some of her extracurricular activities. And 
one-on-one, she volunteered this information. And so now when we're doing another group thing, I got to remember, oh, you know, I know how to connect with Evelyn. I just got to remember getting to know people again. Mm-hmm. Do we say it over and over again? Yes. Are we going to keep saying it? Mm-hmm. Probably. It's all about relationships. Yep. So that was, I considered a high because I was feeling a lot less scratchy next time we were doing a group thing. I mean, my goodness, it's like, this was day three of classes. So come on, come on, yeah. Tanya, lighten up. And uh... <laughs> no, I hear you. I've, I've traditionally worked in populations that are highly mobile, highly transient and kids coming in and out. And, and every year, I mean, I have a handful of kids in every class that are brand new to the school, to the state, to the country sometimes. So yeah, going through that process. And it's a good reminder, even though it it happens to me a lot, I I feel the same way. It's like, I just want to jump in. And it's like, oh, we got to make sure those new students are feeling welcome and a part of the community. And it's going to take a little while and they kind of have to call the shots too. We can't force it, right? Totally. Yeah. And what about you? Give me a high or a low. Well, I'm going to go high, start of the school year. Um, Yeah, so this is, if you've been listening to us for a while, this is year six at what I used to call my new school. So I can't call my new school anymore because it's year six. Um, Not going to talk about my traveling school right now. I'm just going to talk about my homeschool. And it was a difficult transition coming to this school. This school has a very challenging student population with lots of needs. The music teacher and program before me, it was struggling a lot. And so this was a huge challenge coming into the school community. And I just have to say, I'm very proud of myself and proud of my students because this week, so we were on a rotation where I see the same kids for a week. So I saw the same group of kids for, for four days. And so this week with all of my students, particularly my older students, I have felt so rejuvenated and reinvigorated, especially within the Kodai philosophy of like, yes, this works. Because here are my kiddos who I was told when I walked in the door, hate music. These kids hate music. They're not going to sing. They're not going to participate. And you're going to have a hell of a time with them all the time. So my current fifth graders, I had them since first grade. My current fourth graders, I've had them since kindergarten. Now I haven't seen my sixth graders yet. I'm going to see them in my third rotation. So um, I'll get back to you on that one. But um, my fifth graders and my fourth graders are singing. They are joyfully participating. We had options for solo singing, um, you know, optional volunteer basis. I had kids raising their hands for solo singing like it was no big deal. They're singing tunefully and joyfully and their their musical skills have not, you know, fallen behind, quote unquote. We keep hearing this this, oh, our students are so behind. My students are not so behind. First of all, what the heck does that even mean? But second of all, they jumped back in as if it was you know, mid-year or January of 2020 and none of this COVID stuff ever happened. So I'm just, I'm really proud of my students. I'm proud of me for persevering and um, it works. Y'all, awesome. <laughs> this Kodai stuff, it really does work. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's time for us to talk about our main theme, but within our main theme today, we thought we would reintroduce ourselves. We've been doing this podcast um, for a few years, but maybe you are just joining us 
And we just wanted to let you know who we are. I'm going to start with you, Carrie. Here's a little mini interview. Hi. Hi. Tell, tell me, who, tell us who you are. And um, let's just start with how long you've been teaching. All right. Hi, my name is Carrie Nicholas. I always want to include my last name because sometimes people don't know our last names, Tanya. Did you know that? Um, I could have guessed, but go ahead. Yeah. Some, sometimes we're at, we're at like a conference and they're like, oh, are you that Carrie? I'm like, yeah, I am that Carrie. That's nice. Thank you. <laughs> so Carrie Nicholas is my name. Um, I've been teaching for, well, this is my 21st year. And the reason I'm able to know that quickly is because my first year was 2001. So because my first year was 2001, I can then say, and I haven't had any years of not teaching. I've been teaching every year ever since. So anyways, it's easy for me to figure out. I know sometimes as we progress in our teaching careers, we have a harder time remembering how many years we've been teaching. This is my case. Yes. <laughs> so there you go. 21. Okay. Tell us about your training and your experience. All right. So, um, my, uh, out of my 21 years, 15 of those years were teaching in a district just North of Denver, Adams 14. And now, um, we are in the Jeffco district in, um, Jefferson County. So that is, this is year in Colorado. Six. Here, yeah, sorry, in Colorado. This is year six. I've always taught in Colorado. Um, grew up in Illinois, moved out here to Colorado with my husband, who was then my fiance, who was going to grad school in Boulder, and I've been here ever since. And I always tell the story, I'll, I'll make it brief, of it was like my second year of teaching, and this lovely person named Tanya Lejeune came and did a training for us in Adams 14 about Kodai, and I knew I wanted to take Kodai training. Um, I just didn't know where and, and when and how. How. And when Tanya came and did the training with her little packet of singing games, I taught out of that packet for like as long as I could. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do the thing. And I got my training in 2003, 2004, 2005 at uh, Colorado Kodai Institute um, at CSU, Colorado State University in Fort Collins. And then later went back after children and finished my master's degree there. So I have my master's with Kodai emphasis from CSU. And I graduated in 2015. And then now I have the pleasure of returning to that program. And this last year, even though we were online, I taught my first year of level three pedagogy and folk song analysis at CKI. And it was oh so lovely. And I'm just so honored and blessed to be a part of the team with Tanya and our good friend, Amy Abbott. And um, it's just a wonderful program. We are all, um, you know, graduates of that program. So it's great to go back to it. Yeah. And we're so happy to have you. That's so, yeah, very, yeah. All those things. Yeah. Oh, and, and uh, thanks for the shout out. It makes me feel very um, honored and awesome, but also very old, but that's okay. I'm used to that. Uh, <laughs> well, you, you were very young when you did that training. It's not Oh, like... <laughs> yes. Oh, so young. It was uh -huh. before I had children. All right. So now tell us about, did, did you tell us about your current teaching situation? Yeah, well, kind of. So yeah, like I said, we are in we're in Jefferson County, Colorado. I'm at two schools. So uh, one school is my home school two thirds of a time. It's a title one school, a dual language school. Um, but like I said, in in the highs and lows in the beginning, this is my sixth year there. And I just absolutely love my student population. Um, and then my traveling school, my second school that I'm at a third of the time is a little down farther south. And it's more white suburban, um, not a Title I school, but I wouldn't call it a, a really affluent school either. Just 
um, kind of right in the middle of what I would consider just to be middle class families, mostly white. And um, this is my second year there, and I'm looking forward to getting to know the kids more that there because last year, my first year there, you know, was COVID year, so that was a little bit challenging. But um, I don't love being a traveling teacher. It's definitely not something that I would choose. But um, this is only my second year doing it, so I'm I'm trying to stay positive that this year will be better, especially because, um, you know, COVID restrictions aren't quite as heavy this year as they were last year. Right. Yeah. 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 I can hum a few bars of that. Uh, so tell us one teaching strength and one teaching weakness. Um. I've always considered a strength of mine to be classroom management and building student relationships, but also having really high, clear expectations for students. That's always something that um, my evaluators have always noticed and, and complimented me on and I've given workshops on. So it's something that I really value is, you know, like I said, building relationships, but balancing that with very high, clear expectations and holding kids accountable for their learning and for their actions. Um, a weakness of mine I would say is really just staying current with what the kids are listening to um, and and really making sure that I am including, you know, what what one would consider, you know, pop music or popular music, current music um, in my classroom and getting better about that, especially hip hop and genres that I'm personally am not quite as familiar with. I definitely am trying to be intentional and get better about that in my practice. Wow. I could definitely say that as well. And I didn't <laughs> even pick that as my weakness, but yeah. I mean, I have more, but I would say <laughs> that that right now is at, at the top of my priority list. Um, yeah. Because I feel great. like that's going to help with building connections too, right? It all goes, of course. goes together. All right, Tanya's turn. How long have you been teaching? Yeah. You know, it's funny when you were saying all this, I was like, oh my goodness. I don't think I know exactly years for some of my stuff. Okay. I know I started teaching in 1994, uh, but um, not in Colorado. I grew up in Colorado, but I started my teaching career in Los Alamos, New Mexico, um, which is pretty, you know, it's just like a seven, eight hour drive from Denver. And so I was in um, Los Alamos, New Mexico for my first three years of teaching. And then I do have a couple of uh, breaks in my teaching career. I took a year after my first three years of teaching to, I moved to New York City and I reevaluated my, my choice of profession because I just did not, I felt lost. Like I didn't know what I was doing because I didn't know what I was doing. And <laughs> that was before I did my Kodai training. However, I had seen Jill Trinka present in New Mexico um, at a uh, teaching all state teaching New Mexico conference. And I taught off of that packet from Dr. Jill Trinka for gosh, my first through well, my remaining years in New Mexico. Okay. So then I took uh, a year hiatus and I was in New York city where I worked around the city doing temp jobs. And, um, I had a lot of fun and I decided that I really did want to teach, but I wanted training because this, this K word, this Kodai thing was what I wanted to do. And so I started um, teaching again, I came back to Colorado and I was lucky enough to get a job um, in Jefferson County public schools where I currently teach still. And I started my Kodai training and I'm sorry. And I got to go look at my plaques real quick. Um, all right. So that was 1999 that I started my Kodai. 
training. And I was in the first Kodai cohort at Colorado State University. Yeah. Which um, like, I like, I mean, I, that was awesome. However, the, we didn't know what we were getting into. I thought it was going to be like a, a orf workshop. Like, oh, this would be so much fun. We'll, we'll take off our shoes and I'll just come away with all this stuff. And um, it was so much harder. And I had no understanding of what I was getting myself into. But of course, like everyone says, it ended up being like the best, most life-changing and career-changing thing I could have done. So yeah, I did my Kodai training and I was teaching in Jefferson County and I started teaching at the same school that I am at right now. And that was in 1998. I also met the art teacher. We became good friends and then more. And I married the art teacher. I love that. (laughs) He and I are still teaching at the same school, but now we have two schools. And so we pretty much have um, extremely similar schedules. Um, And except for now, uh, one of us is at the uh, traveling school and the other one of us is at our home school. And, you know, we just swap out. There's three of us, art, music, and PE. And there's one person who's gonna be at the other school and the other two are at our home school. Yeah. So I started teaching at the Colorado Kodai Institute. I was very excited to do that in 2012. And I've been teaching there ever since. So you know what, this is really my total uh, 26th year of teaching, because I took my New York year off. And then I took a half a year for one child, one baby, and then a half a year for the other baby. So that works out to this is my 26th year teaching. Um, yeah. So awesome. Yeah. Well, you, you think you covered the next two questions, training experience and current teaching situation, unless you want to add anything more to that. Nope. This is, um, yeah, the, this is our third year of teaching at two schools. Although I did this in New Mexico, teaching at two schools. Um, and luckily this time around, it's a school that's only 10 minutes away. Um, from our homeschool instead of an hour away from our house because I did have um, a the first year that we were teaching in more than one school we were teaching in a mountain community that was a, a solid hour drive from our home in Denver right so that was a struggle but the community was awesome the kids were awesome it was a great teaching situation. If I lived in the mountains, that's where I'd want to teach. Um, but we are no longer going there, which is, is, you know, a little sad, but this is how it is when you have to be a traveling teacher as most of our, uh, music art and PE teachers in our district are now traveling teachers because sixth grade is now taught in middle school. And that's when that shifted, it kind of created that ripple effect for almost all the elementary music teachers. Yes. But we are very lucky in our district that our district makes us full-time employees and that our district puts together, you know, pairs of schools to make sure that we have full-time jobs. Because I know that there are other other districts where they're like, oh, you're 0.6, too bad, so sad. You know, pick up a retail job in your off hours. And our district really does create full-time positions. But anyway, all that to say, um, yeah, that was my current teaching situation. Nice. All right. What about one strength and one weakness for you? Oh, well, yours were so good. Um, well, I was thinking my strength and I, I think this comes just from experience, honestly, because I'm not a natural born teacher. 
you know how there's those people? That's not me. Um, everything I can do is just because I've done it wrong five different times first, right? <laughs> uh, I'm not a natural born teacher, but now I think that my strength is I can read the room mm-hmm. and I can change on a dime if necessary. So if something is bombing big time, uh, I can notice that and I can change gears and still like save the lesson and get something good going. So I think that um, that is definitely a strength of mine is that I've learned how to read the room after many years of not knowing what, you know, many years of like, wait a minute, but this is next on the lesson plan and we are going to stick with this lesson. I don't do that anymore. If something's not happening, I can change it up. Um, Additionally, I think I have, um, I'm not the best instrumentalist. I'm a jack of all trades, master of none, but I've got a very good ear so I can maintain a key of a song, you know, throughout a whole lesson, I'm able to shift melodically like into a new song. And again, this is from just years in years and years of experience. And I, I know my material really well. And if I don't, then I got to go back and, and learn it really well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But my weakness, um, and Carrie, I loved what you said about like being current. Cause that's definitely something that I'm working on all the time, but one of my weaknesses, which has come up in, uh, in evaluations from principals is that I don't know how to shut it down. I don't know how to, um, not behavioral wise, but like close a lesson, like bring yes. it to closure. I'm all too often. I'm like, Oh, wait, I've got five minutes. We could do this one little extension. Cause we're ready. Like that goes hand in hand with reading the room. Like, Oh, wow, we're ready for this thing. And I just get excited and I want to go there. And then it's time for us to line up. And I'm like, but, Oh, okay, fine. We'll line up now kids. Yeah. And I I'm, I'm trying to get that I'm trying to get better at that. I just wrapping I it up see, in a little bow, wrapping it up in a little bow. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and it's something I really just need to, I just need to write it down, script it out. But sometimes it's just so hard. Cause I'm like, we're ready to go here. We could do it. Can't we do this? No, not always. So yeah, there you go. One thing I wanted, I want to mention about both of us, Tanya, cause I think it's important is our um, involvement in professional organizations, particularly Oak and um, which our is local the organization chapter. of Co- American Kodai educators. Thank you. And our local chapter Rocky, which um, yeah. So Tanya and I are, are both past presidents of Rocky and have been very involved in Rocky and then became very involved in Oak. We've both served on the Oak national board, um, you know, presented workshops and, um, things at conferences, attended lots of conferences. So we just want to put a shout out for joining professional organizations. We know, especially when you're a young teacher, it's hard because there's so many and you only have so much money. Um, but, you know, we are big fans of, of professional organizations and attending in-person <laughs> conferences and workshops. You know, TPT and blogs and podcasts are great, but the, the experiences that you get attending those workshops and those conferences just can't be replicated. So we just right. want to put a shout out for that too. And both Carrie and I are, have presented, um, you know, in numerous school districts, Kodai chapters, music chapters, um, nationally and internationally. Yeah. Yeah. But it also took us a while to get there. And I say that because, you know, <laughs> we see lots of, of young professionals who are really wanting to kind of 
put themselves out there on social media and put themselves out there and, and sell products. And it's lovely. But we just want to also make sure make sure that you are honing your own craft before you're ready to share it with others. This is something that Tanya and I both intentionally did. We didn't start a podcast. We didn't start teaching levels. We didn't start presenting until we were well into our career, many years into our career, and until we had received our Kodai training. So, you know, just something to consider if you're a young go-getter teacher and you just want to start, you know, working on that quote-unquote side hustle or you just really want I mean, and it's all about excitement and sharing your passion and knowledge with others. We get that because we're doing that right now. But we also want to make sure that you are you are intentional of, of making sure you are grounded in your own philosophy and grounded in your own craft before you are readily, truly ready to share it with others. Yeah. And I think, Carrie, what it contributes to that is that it is a whole new world. Yeah. Um, Cause oh, when totally. I started, yeah, when I started teaching blog, uh, podcasts, blogs, uh, didn't exist. The internet <laughs> barely existed. I was on AOL. Um, so yeah, there, that, that definitely drives that ambition. And when you see other music teachers on Instagram or doing blogs and all of that, you're like, well, wait a minute, I have something valuable to say. I want to get in the game. So I, I understand that impulse. And at the same time, you know, yeah, I think experience does count for something and, um, training does count for something. And that's also to say that you music teacher as the consumer or, you know, a consumer, whether you're spending your time or your time and your money on, um, you know, TPT products or membership groups or, whatever it is, just your eyeballs on someone's Insta stories or whatever, you really have to ask yourself, like, um, is this person uh, somebody I should be taking advice from, you know, or just take it for what it's worth. And yeah, um, yeah, Carrie, you and I, we talk a lot about how different it is and and Mm -hmm. even how frustrating it can be um, when we see people who don't seem to have much experience, um, who are peddling their wares and, you know, I don't yeah. know, just, just be, <laughs> be mindful, beware. Be, be mindful, mindful, be thoughtful. Nothing yeah. is vetted in, in these places. I mean, we're not vetted. We're putting a podcast out here right now. And if yeah, we're making it, big great. bucks, putting this yeah, no. podcast <laughs> on too, I tell you what. <laughs> All right. So that's a little bit about us and where we're coming from. We just think it's helpful. um, You know, like Tanya said, if you're kind of new to this neighborhood of Music Teacher Coffee Talk to know who we are and what perspective we're coming from, because everyone comes from different perspectives and different layers of experiences. And this just happens to be ours. Totally. So with that said, we're going to talk about um, going back to school. Um, one thing I wanted to, to mention is we have, you know, a nice little library of episodes now since we've been doing this for a while. So if you are looking for more back to school specific episodes, here are a couple we can point you to. So first of all, um, pre COVID. (laughs) So if you're just looking for some just good old back to school songs and games, um, building procedures, how to set up your classroom, all those kind of things. Um, here are some episodes. I'm not going to list the titles because there's quite a few. I'm just going to give you the numbers. Uh, 45, 
46, 47, that's a chunk of episodes you might listen to, 21, 22, 23, keep in mind the older back they get in time, the more, you know, you might hear Tanya and I talking about songs or games or activities that maybe we're no longer doing for a variety of reasons, culturally inappropriate. So with a grain of salt, we've never gone back and edited or deleted any episodes where we might be talking about harmful literature or things, which is why we are, you know, we're aware of that and we're, we're talking about that not necessarily in today's episode but you're going to hear us talking a lot about that this coming school year and then as far as um post-COVID, well, meaning just like last year. So if you're somebody who maybe who was just totally online last year or you weren't allowed to sing last year, but now you are, but you have to be distanced or you have to be in masks, um, that was our situation last year. So if you want to listen to some episodes that it's like, how do I teach music but with restrictions, um, 73 and 74 are episodes where we talk about that. Yes. And if you're thinking, oh my goodness, you said this so fast, should I go write these down? No, it'll be on our show notes also. Yeah. I will have a link on our show notes uh, that will link you if you're a Spotify person. Um, I've made a Spotify playlist with some of those, um, with all of those back to school episodes that Carrie just mentioned. And it's called Music Teacher Coffee Talk BTS Playlist. There will be no K-pop on it, but <laughs> BTS for back to school. So that's all there in the show notes on the Spotify playlist, which will be linked in the show notes. And the show notes, we'll we say it at the end, but we'll say it now, um, can always be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. That's where we have our show notes. We have links to where you can listen to us, although if you're listening right now, you already figured that out. Um, information about Tanya and I, upcoming workshops and presentations. Um, our email is there, so if you want to get a hold of us, if you're interested in having either of us or both of us come out and do a presentation or a workshop in your area, um, all of that can be found. Or over no, Zoom. <laughs> True. Well, that's the nice thing. We all know Zoom so well enough now that we can do things in a distanced way. So yeah, and several chapters are doing some Zoom this coming year. Yeah, and, it's um, a money saver for sure. Exactly. To be to I'll be presenting way. for Lucky, which is the Las Vegas, um, let's see, Las Vegas Unified, oh my goodness, Kodai Educators. Yeah, we're missing a C. What the yeah, C uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm I don't even remember off the top of my head, but it's the Las Vegas Kodai chapter. The Las Vegas Kodai chapter. I'll be yeah. presenting in the spring. I don't have a specific date yet for you, but um, yeah. So look for online things. Also, the Western Division uh, Oak Conference is coming up. Yeah, October 23rd. It's going to be a one-day virtual event. Um, we are still working out, you know, details and presenters. I'm on the committee for that. So we'll definitely um, be be talking about that conference, um, yeah, in the upcoming episodes with links and details once they become available. Right. But All right. Date. Save that date. So should we talk about what's been working in the <laughs> last four days of teaching uh, back to school 2021 not exactly COVID but not exactly not COVID like <laughs> all yeah. those things and after a year and a half almost a half of kids not having a quote normal unquote you know music classroom experience what's it like now right so yeah. Carrie tell us something about what's working or what's been working for the last just four days in the uh -huh. music classroom. Awesome. So, well, first, 
I'll just say, just again, so you know our perspective in our district, we are fully masked, adults and students, regardless of vaccination status, we are all fully masked. However, other than that, there's really no major restrictions. We don't have to worry about spacing. We are allowed to share instruments and materials. We don't have to worry about non-contact. We are able to touch. With that said, I'm, I'm still not doing songs and games that are super like cuddle up and huddle up, like draw me a bucket of water or a great big house. Great big house in New Orleans has has typically been um, a first day, first week activity, usually in like third, fourth grade, because I intentionally want kids to get close and cozy. But this year, not so much. Um, the only thing we're told in our district we cannot do is recorder. So at this point, um, I've saved recorder for spring in hopes that maybe it might come back. But other than that, we're wearing masks and then it's business as usual, right? Same right. for you, and the right, mask. Yeah, and the mask mandate is worth saying that we were told kindergarten through sixth or through fifth grade elementary school, or if your elementary school is sixth grade, also like Carrie's is, that we must be masked. Now, the day before classes started, Jefferson County um, Public Health, which is where our district is, said everybody in school K through 12 must be masked. Yep. So that happened really hours before we started. Now it didn't make a difference in our situation because we're in elementary school, but um, yeah, throughout the district, actually, frankly, I think it makes things easier because when we have families, parents, guardians who are like, you know, disgruntled, we can say, hey, you know what? Not the district, actually public, the public health, you know, county. Right. has come out and said this. Right. So yeah, so we are masked K through 12. Yep. Yep. So knowing all of that, I will say what has been working, the number one thing that has been working in all classes um, is the fact that we are doing singing and doing singing games. We are connecting hands. We are dancing. We are partnering up. We're making circles. Last year, you know, we were told we could sing, but we all needed to face forward and sit in rows. So being able to be back in circles and small groups has been amazing. Um, so I will say uh, third through sixth grade, um, a little bit second grade as well. Really, my main goals for the first week is that we are singing. We are connecting hands. And I use those words, connecting hands rather than holding hands, because we know how older Me students too. feel about that. I was really surprised. I thought the first time I said, all right, put out this hand, put out this hand to play a game. We're going to connect hands. Some of the students were going to freak out because not just because they're older students, but because they hadn't done that in so long. And they were going to say, oh, COVID. Not a one. I didn't have a single student who had an issue. Now, I did say, you know, there's hand sanitizer over by the door. After we play this game, you are welcome to get some, or you can just wait and get some on your way out. Um, and it's just not even been an issue. So that's been really awesome. Um, so um, in addition to just the, the physicality of it and the singing, we're working on keeping the steady beat. So like, for example, in fifth grade, um, one of their favorites this week has been Freddie Oka. Freddy Oka, quack, 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 escotico, tickety-tack, escotico, oh no. And it's one of those pass the beat type of games where they're reaching Yeah, I didn't sing that with you because I always mess up the words. I've got to have them in front of me. <laughs> well, I've been singing a lot this week. And it's a Good great tickety song um, for later on. But right now we're just working on it for beat keeping. So um, it's one of those pass the beat kind of games where they're clapping their neighbor's hand and they're passing the beat around the room. And then whoever gets the oh no chooses a number. 
Um, I tell them between two and 20, <laughs> but you could definitely make it smaller if you wanted to. And then that student starts the countdown, we count it out, and then whoever gets the last clap is out. And then whatever you do when they're out depends on what you want to do. The first time I play it, they just sit out and they do a steady beat somewhere on their body. Later, I add instruments, either a bordoon or a non-pitched percussion, just so they're busy. You could also have the kids who are out go start a new circle and start a new game, you know. So there's different ways you can play it. But um, those types of games are great for the beginning of the year, just connecting hands and keeping a steady beat. Um, another thing that I'm really doing is spending a significant time on review. I have been very intentional with my yearly plans that I have created to make sure there is a good chunk of review in the beginning of the year for number one, just always starting the year with review. Number two, having new students. You know, like I mentioned, I've always had um, a very highly mobile population of students coming in and out. And then number three, all the students who are online last year who for me just did asynchronous, very generic types of activities. So they didn't get like the quote unquote curriculum, you know, the Kodai sequence like my other students. So like right now I'm looking at my fourth grade yearly plan and I don't have anything new in my sequence planned until the middle of October. Up until then we are doing all review and I'm very specific. So like this first week, I saw my students four times. We reviewed steady beat, ta, tt, rest, half note, whole note, two beat meter, four beat meter. So, I mean, that sounds like a lot, but those are pretty early concepts if you think about it. Then in the next rotation, I'll see them. We're going to review Tikka Tikka, and we're also going to review the Pentatone, Do, Re, Mi, Sol, La. And then in the next rotation, I see them. We're going to review dotted half note in three beat meter and Lola, and then that's as far as I got with them. So now this year, we'll start with Lo So as our first melodic activity, or our first melodic concept. And like I said, I'll start prepping for Lo So, but I won't introduce or present Lo So until middle to late October. So now I ask a clarifying question, Carrie? Yes. Because this is excellent how you have it all mapped out. Can you mention a specific um, I'm assuming it's taken from the, like the practice of your PPP, right? Mm -hmm. Your review. Can you mention like a specific re review you've done for say a, a rhythmic concept that you just mentioned? Yeah, totally. So, I mean, really what it is, it's, it's um, reading a lot of just reading and, yeah. and clapping and speaking rhythms at this point, but, um, and we're, we're going to probably do an episode about older beginners real soon, but the trick yeah, to doing yeah. things with older beginners, it's not just taking a song that they learned in first or second grade and doing it again in fourth grade. It's finding new literature that has simple rhythms. Right. So for example, Kingsland. Kingsland is a song that's very simple rhythmically and fairly simple melodically, but I save that one for older students. It's only ta ti ti rest as far as rhythm goes, and the melody is only do mi so and la. Let's so see. I Oh, sorry. I'm, oh, let me see. Cause there's different versions. So I have to make sure I do the right one. I'm oh, I was on the king's land. The king is not at home. He's gone to Boston to buy his I... wife a comb. Yes, Did I you sing the Boston. version that you know? Yeah, no, it's funny. Cause we've had this conversation about like, I don't know why I say London. That's probably wrong of me. Yeah. <laughs> Boston, 
Boston. Yeah, and well, all these songs and, and games specifically that we mentioned, they'll be in the show notes, so you don't have to frantically write all this stuff down. So um, I play that as a freeze game, which older students love freeze games just as much as younger students. So fourth grade, we read the rhythm for Kingsland. We added the bar lines. We did one of those, oops, my eraser slipped games, where basically mm-hmm. you um, delete one measure at a time. And this is just rhythm, stick notation on the board. Delete one measure at a time. So they're basically just memorizing it and remembering it put it back in and then oh let's go play the game you just earned an awesome game here we go so that's an example there of something that i'm doing with older students so again it's about finding literature that's interesting and juicy enough for those older students but simple (laughs) melodically or rhythmically whatever you're focusing on um that you can use that as a review song for those yeah and like just a little plug for developmentally appropriate because we throw that term out a lot And let's kind of define that when it comes to older beginners. I think that a lot of that is driven by the text or the lyrics, Mm -hmm. right? Um, It's also driven by the tone set, because if you're going to sing So Me Law songs above um, third grade, you got to make sure those kids love you and love how you're presenting it. Mm -hmm. You can sell, honestly, you can sell older kids on anything, depending on your delivery. If they, you know, already are on board and loving you, um, you can definitely do that. However, developmentally appropriate for older kids means that it's something that the text is not going to be quote babyish and the tone set, honestly, beyond Solami, any other tone set is not going to come off as babyish. Solami, anybody third grade over, but you know, you could still get away in early third grade, yeah. um, that translates to babyish. And that's like a critique that Kodai people get a lot. Is that yeah. like, oh, are you too tired of all those babyish so la, so la me, you know, songs? Well, no, because we do it where it's developmentally appropriate. So yeah, yeah it's all about the text and also tone set, but there's a lot, there's a, and we'll talk a yeah. lot on another podcast, but there's a lot of material that works so very well with older kids that they will buy into um, that you don't have to break your back selling. Totally. And the game. I mean, that's the other thing, right? Well, and the, the game. game. Yeah. The, the game, game or the do. dance or the activity, that's what's going to sell it. So, totally. um, and then as far as uh, meter goes, we've been reviewing two beat and four beat meters. So I got out my um, racquetball bouncy balls. You know, the racquetball balls are like a nice, perfect size for this. I know some people use tennis balls. I just like racquetballs. So we were doing kind of Dalcrozian inspired activities where for two beat meter, they were doing a bounce catch, bounce catch. And for four beat meter, they were doing bounce, catch, and then two beats somewhere in their body. So they might go bounce, catch, shoulder, shoulder, where they're tapping the ball on each shoulder. Oh, that is so smart. I'm well, sorry. Oh, I, I forgot to mention earlier, I have had some doll cross training. I'm not certified, but I've had some training. So this is something that I've learned in doll cross training is doing bouncy ball activities like that is so great for, for me. Right. Here. But I, cause I've done bouncy ball activities, but what is so smart that I hadn't really considered is that in four beat meter, you don't have to be bouncing. You can just do like, here's the first beat is the strong beat. And that's where we bounce. And then the beats, the rest of the beats are elsewhere. Plus you have less, like I've lost control of my ball and now I've got to go into this bass xylophone. Yeah, right. Totally. So, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, That's and they great. were coming up with other ways to show beats three and four, but that like I gave them the idea of shoulder to shoulder, but some of them came up with different things like bounce, quit, catch, tap my nose, tap my head, or bounce, catch, toss it gently, catch it again. So um, I was just playing like very simple boom chucks on the piano. So either boom, chuck, boom, chuck for two beat meter or boom, chuck, chuck, chuck for four beat meter. But then I was using song literature too. So for two beat meter, we were singing and bouncing to Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain High. And then for four beat meter, we were using Kingsland. So using song literature as well to kind of tie it all together. Um, I didn't get a good video of this because my hands were busy playing the piano but when I see my next rotation of students I'll try to remember to, to set up my phone and take a video of them doing it because it was really cool and they loved it oh my gosh they just love it yeah um let's also talk about technology <laughs> so I love technology I'm a big fan I was using Seesaw before most people knew what Seesaw was thank you very much and yeah. Google Classroom <laughs> because I've been fortunate this school that I've been at now for six years, we've been one-to-one -one tech the whole time I've been there, either iPads or Chromebooks. So I've really embraced it. However, this year I made a pledge, no tech in the first week, nothing, not a single too, thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, which for me is big because I personally love the tech. So we haven't done any tech and really excited to get manipulatives back out. Um, I was hoping to get to like popsicle stick dictation with like my third graders as we were reviewing, but we ran out of time. But like that's the kind of stuff I'm really getting excited to bring back is like the mini erasers and the popsicle sticks and the manipulatives. And like I mentioned, the bouncy balls and like all of these manipulatives um, that we can use to practice. And the kids are excited to use these materials too. So um, I'm saving my tech for later. It'll come back. I know I'm going to use tech, but I'm just intentionally not using it this first week. And the kids have just been engaged and happy, and it's been lovely. Um, real quick, I'll just talk about K through two. Um, we've been doing lots of vocal exploration and starting to work on our solo singing voice as well. And puppets, 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 puppets is like the thing to be using. Mm -hmm. So lots of puppets, lots of finger puppets that I've been using with my students. Um, one of the activities I've been doing with them, one of our favorites is Trace Pajaritos. So I have three little bird puppets. They're all finger puppets, but I have three different ones. I have um, uh, a hummingbird. I have a robin and I have a bluebird. And so the students just echo after me. Uno, dos, tres. Uno, dos, tres. Oh, we'll do it. Tres pajaritos. Tres pajaritos. Cantan así. Cantan así. Piparia. Piparia. Cantan así. Cantan así. So we start with um, just I have the pajaritos, they're all echoing after me, but then I give the students the pajaritos. So then we have like a small group of three students who are going to echo after me, and then we might break it down into solo singing after that. So just having those students find their their singing voice, we're tracing the birds in the sky as they're flying and whoa, actually, funny story, my assistant principal came running in my room the other day because we were doing all of these like drawing vocal exploration lines on the smart board and then singing them she thought the students were in like in like yelling or screaming she thought something was wrong because <laughs> they were going Ooh, and they were doing all these things with their voices and she thought something was really wrong so she came running in the room and she's like what's going on I'm like oh we're just finding our singing voice 
Oh my, that's, that's hilarious. hilarious. I'm like, so you got to say, doing? you get used to that sound, then you're going to be hearing it a lot. Right. Um, another important thing with little ones is so many teach twos, quote unquote, procedural things. Because I mean, I have second graders who really haven't been in school like ever because, uh -huh. um, you know, for a while, kindergarten wasn't even required. And then if they were online or whatever. So, I mean, K1 and 2, um, I have students who have literally never been in a school setting. So a lot of procedures of here's where we go to make a circle. Here's where we go to line up. Here's how we make a scattered formation. Obviously, that's as far as we've gotten so far. Um, keeping our hands to ourselves, raising our hand if we have something to say or waiting for Miss Nicholas to give you the signal so you can tell me what you want to say, all those things. But doing it in a joyful way, I don't like to be like, and now we're going to practice this. And now we're I intentionally choose games so like we're gonna play bluebird bluebird through my window which requires us to be in a circle and join hands yeah we're gonna play that as our way to practice that procedure so making sure that i'm planning activities that are fun and joyful to practice the procedures not just practicing them i'm not gonna say everybody get up and make a circle okay now sit back down everybody get up and make a circle and now sit back down because that's not fun for them and that's not fun for me so um planning activities for those procedures and then one more thing, and then it's Tanya's turn because I've been talking. <laughs> wow. Um, instruments and hands is huge. I always want to make sure that with my younger students, we have played an instrument every day this first week. Um, I start with egg shakers because egg shakers really can't break if you buy like actual real egg shakers. I'm not talking about homemade, you know, Easter eggs full of rice. I'm talking about real egg shakers. I have one for every student. So egg shakers are my go-to for my first instrument for kindergarten and for first grade. Um, with second grade, gosh, I've talked about this, I think every year. I have apple shakers. <laughs> They're shakers. I know, I'm so jealous of, of your apple shakers. Cause I've got foamy apples. I was using them yesterday yeah. and I was like, Oh, I wish these were shakers. Yeah. I love my apple shakers. They were there before I got there. And you know, apple tree is a go-to song in second grade for so many things. So we've been shaken. I've also have a class set of those lollipop drums. So second graders, we've been doing hickety pickety bumblebee. Can you say your name for me? They say their name and everyone echoes. Um, but then by day two, we were doing hickety pickety bumblebee say and play your name for me. So each student mm -hmm. had a lollipop drum, so they would say their name, Tanya, and tap it on the drum, and then everybody would play it back, Tanya. So um, getting instruments in hands right away, oh, so important. It's a great carrot for the students that makes them love music and want to come back. And yes. I also save the instrument time for kind of later in the lesson. So I'm that's my carrot for behavior of, oh, and remember, we might have a fun instrument to play today, but you have to show me that you're ready show me that you're ready and that's how they show me that they can sit up crisscross applesauce and eyes on the teacher and all that stuff because if you're laying and rolling on the floor you can't play an instrument can you so mm -hmm. that usually solves a lot of the behavioral issues with the younger students awesome all right tanya your turn wow. what's working <laughs> okay so um for all grades really my intent on the very first days of school is that I want us to get reacquainted with each other one-on-one, um, -on -one, some one-on-one -on -one as a class, as a community, and reacquainted with, okay, we're in music class and this is what we do, right? So uh, I 
I'm taking it a little bit slower with review of concepts. We have reviewed concepts in all grades, well, say kindergarten, uh, this week, but it's really kind of taken a back seat to reconnecting or connecting because we have a, seems like we have a lot more new students this year, or maybe they were just online and we hadn't met them yet, right? Uh, this So for this uh, first four days, for third graders through sixth graders, I made the first two classes where we were doing some some games, but we were also doing some activities that are just like about us activities. And like you mentioned, Carrie, I was very intentional about, you know, I do want to use tech. I don't want to start off. My goal was first week, no tech. We don't have to come with Chromebooks. I'm not going to make them do like a, a sign in, like how's it going form that I want to bring back, but not yet because I want to do a lot more. Let's look each other in the eye and, and really connect. And, and this is a challenging thing after we have had this in and out of we're on Zoom and now we're back in the classroom and now we're doing this. So one thing that I have brought back with everybody um, is like a greeting at the door. And so when kids come in, they have the option, they can give me a, a high five or a fist bump or a mini dance party or heart hands. And I don't say hug because that's very, you know, that's more cozy. However, if a kid, and some of them have, if a kid comes at me with a hug, I'm not turning them down at this point, right? right. I have two places in the room with hand sanitizer and after we've been using instruments or after we've been playing a game that involves taking hands or getting close, I say, and now if you sit on a red dot, go get hand sanitizer, come back. So I'm still having that procedure going in the room. Um, yeah. So as kids are coming in and I'm doing the one-on-one -on -one greeting and they're going to their spots, which we get on the second day of school, um, something has to be happening to like entertain or you just occupy those other kids. I don't have the tech right now. So I'm really relying on videos that I made during our COVID time. It's still our COVID time really, but like during our, our online COVID time. So I have several videos. One of them that I have used um, is I love the mountains and it's something I made on acapella and it's um. It's four parts. So it's me as me, Miss Lejeune, and then three puppets in other, <laughs> you know, uh, camera, whatever, uh, windows yeah. singing, I love the mountains. There's an ostinato, boom, diada, boom, diada, boom, diada, boom, diada. Excuse me. And then me and my wolf puppet, we sing, I love the mountains in canon. So I have that going. It's like a minute and 20 seconds. And that's enough time for me to greet every kid coming in. And we're talking about mostly third through six for this particular video. And so they sit down, they watch the video. And then maybe after I've done all the greetings, we watch it again because the kids who are at the very end of the line didn't get a chance to see it. And that is our jumping off point for like something musical, right? So I'll mm -hmm. talk about like, what did you notice in the song? What did now, whenever you show a visual, of course, what's the first thing? If you say, what did you notice? They're going to talk about like the snail was, you know, whatever. Um, the wolf puppet, he, he was funny because he was looking over at the snail. Like they're going to notice the visual thing. So you got to dig a little deeper. Like, what did you notice 
about what you heard in addition to. So I just have been using those videos that I've made in the past as just a place to start, but also it is double duty because it allows me to greet those students one-on-one. And here's something I really noticed and I took note of. Very first time we did individual greetings, I'm really trying to look kids in the eye and it wasn't happening. Those kids were not looking me in the eye. Um, But yesterday, which was our fourth day, uh, I had, I probably, I mean, I can't put an exact number on it. I didn't write it down because I was busy, but I would say like 80% of the kids were looking me in the eye. So, wow. I hope somebody does research on all of these things coming out of our, our um, zoom COVID time, Mm -hmm. but uh, just to, just to say that if at first you think that things aren't going in that direction with connecting, like, oh, it's not happening there. It's going to take some time. Keep doing it. See what happens. Right. And this was mm-hmm. like, that's, that's pretty good. Day four of being in school. And I've got 80% of the kids who are looking me in the eye. Whereas the first day that we did this, they're not, that's, that's pretty good. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, like I said, we're working on connecting. I built in a lot of things where we're doing something musical, a song or a chant, but then we are, we stop and there's some kind of conversation starter. I think I showed one of these on Instagram, the welcome chant, which goes, sorry, da que pasa, aloha, guten tag, hello, good day, kanichi wapaka. So we learn it and I learned it as a chant um, and it's got several different languages in there. So we hear it several times. We talk about, okay, what languages do you recognize? And let's like just decode them and say what language it's from. Now I have a, more Russian students um, that that would be our second um, group of kids, right? So I have a lot of Caucasian students and then our second group would be Russian students. So they are really tickled because they never hear any of their language, right? Uh, so paka actually is goodbye, like a, an informal goodbye in Russian. So after we learn this sorry dake pasa welcome chant, then we're scattered around the room and we're walking and we're saying it. And when we say kanichi wa paka, we stop. And wherever you are within arm's reach, there's another student turn towards that person and tell them what did getting ready for school look like today for you? And so they have a little conversation and then we keep on going. Sorry, da que pasa, aloha. And then they stop at the end and we turn to a different person and then there's a different tiny conversation starter, right? So I've been doing a lot of those where I'm weaving in songs, chants, just to get us used to this idea of, okay, we're in music, we're, we're speaking or singing, we're moving around the room. So it's this social, the social skills that go along with our singing games or activities, but it's also, we're providing this connection with each other. And this is like when I had my conversation, when I mentioned my high earlier in the week that I had this you know great conversation with one of my new students who was, you know, brand new and Um, probably like just getting her, her feet wet with all of this. So I've been doing that with um, grades three through six. I do it differently with kindergarten and second grade because they do need more structure. But what I was really pleased, and you mentioned this, Carrie, is um, 
for those older kids, because they have had me in music, even if it was a couple of years ago that we were like in a normal situation, they kind of just, they, they just jump back in. And the kids that I've been having at this school, they were easily acclimated to, oh yeah, we know how to move around the room. We know how to make a circle. We know how to take hands. I really thought I was going to get pushback on taking hands. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. I didn't have one kid, not even a new one who was like, I'm not doing that. Right now, kindergarten through second grade is a different story. I had even, I had second graders who were like giving a sleeve instead of a hand or like, you know, doing the pinky thing, but mostly kids that I don't know that are new to the school, but three through six, not an issue. So very interesting. Um, anyway, to go on, what else um, have I been doing with third through six? Lots of movement. We did Sasha, Sasha, Rastava, Tri. And again, my Russian students, I let them lead the way because I'm like, you know, we have some Russian uh, native speakers. I talked to them ahead of time. I was lucky to catch them in front of the school earlier in the week. And mom was there too. And mom was tickled um, with like a couple of my, uh, as the mom of a couple of my Russian students, I said, would you help us? Because Miss Lejeune's, my Russian is not awesome. And <laughs> would you help us with counting to three? And, uh, and it was neat because on Friday that mom sought me out and it's like, how did that go? How did, how did Sasha go? Um, so that was, that was awesome. That oh, we, and yeah. can you mention, um, what resources Sasha in it's in, um, one it's of in the, a couple of different resources. It yeah. is in an Amadon new England dance masters, yeah. um, resource. I, and I can't, but it's I not a long Sasha the donut of theirs. I believe that book. Sasha is in Sasha the donut. I thought so. Oh, it's, okay. It, well, okay. I could no. be wrong. It's in one of the New England dancing masters. It's about four feet above my head as I sit in my home office, but I'm not going to get up and, you know, make the chair squeak. Um, we can put that in the show notes. But yeah. also, I honestly, I prefer the recording from Sana Longden. Yes. Right. And that, oh my goodness, is um, dances from seven continents. I don't yeah, remember her what titles are. <laughs> she has titles that are like folk dances, even more folk dances. And then there's numbers. Yeah, there's one, one, there's one and a half. Yeah, there's, we'll make there's sure we link to it. We'll link to it correctly in the show notes if you're looking for a resource that has Sasha. Yeah, Sasha is from one and a half. Okay. And Sasha from New England Dance Masters is from Sasha the Donut. Yeah, Ooh. just looked at it. So okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, they sound different because uh, they both use different recordings. It it still works either one. Do listen to the music ahead of time, by the way, if you're not familiar with that. But um, it's just a great mixer. Yes. Uh-huh. And uh, in fourth grade, we did Alabama Gal, which I was like, hmm, should we be peeling the banana this early in the school year? And I was like, let's see how, let's see how it goes. And it was fine. It was great. They loved it. My goal of the first week of school is I want for kids to walk away from music because next week they'll be in art. I want them to walk away thinking, oh, I really love doing this because it's totally different from what the rest of my life, right? The rest of what I'm doing in school. And I love the community that we're doing in the music room. And I love my teacher. I mean, let's be clear. I want everybody to walk away going, oh, I can't wait to get back with Miss Lejeune. I want that to happen, not for my ego, mm-hmm. but for them 
to feel like part of this community. And, you know, I, I know that there are teachers, especially older teachers like me, who have been teaching for a long time, who are like, you know what, it's not my job for the kids to like me. It's my job to teach them. Guess what? They're not going to learn anything from you. If mm-hmm. it's not clear that you like them and mm-hmm. that you want them there and that this is a safe place that has to happen first, which is why this past week I was very intentional, intentional about, yes, music things are happening. Yes, like traditional Western music notation, we will get there. What's most important, this is a musical community. We are making music. We are participating in music. We are hearing music. We are loving music. We are loving being together. That's the most important thing. So, yeah. Also, I'm trying to weave in very intentionally more choice and voice into my lessons. So what I've taken to doing, and this may or may not help with my closure thing, is that I'll say, okay, Hey class, you know what? Ms. Lejeune planned so many things for us to do today, but right now we can only do this thing or that thing. Which do you want to do? Now, really, I just planned to for it to be this thing or that thing. So do you want to, I did this yesterday, fifth graders. We could either, now that we know the song Taylor and the Mouse, because we've sung it a couple of times and they're singing um, the the uh, response for the call and response song. Would you like to learn the game? Cause I think you could do it in the next seven minutes. Or would you like me to read this book, the John fire Robin um, song tale, Taylor and the mouse, which is a great book. And so we voted. Yeah. It was simple, like hands up. I even asked, here's another choice voice thing. Like, do you want to do, and I, you got to make, make it quick, but like, do you want to do a blind vote? Do you want to see everybody's vote? Which do you want? They wanted to do a blind vote. I would have never guessed. So they put their hands down and they, you know, I said, who wants to do the book right now? Hands up. Who wants to do this, the game right now? Hands up. We ended up doing the game and these fifth graders, they've done enough long way sets things that we could do that in seven minutes and be successful at it. So anyway, so more choice and voice at the very end. All right, let's talk about kindergarten through second grade because that's a whole new world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like you alluded to, or not really alluded, just told us, Gary, that like these kids that have, that are in second grade, socially, emotionally, community-wise, they are in a different spot. Yep. Yeah, these formative years, which are, so important, no matter what's going on in the world, they're different, right? So yeah. we think back, these kindergartners that are in my room, in your room this year, when, if they were in kindergarten, so the second graders, when they were in kindergarten, they had two thirds of a school year mm-hmm. and then they were online. Mm-hmm. And then their first grade year started online. Mm-hmm. And if they're in our district, they, they actually had it a little bit better than most districts because some districts were online all year long, right? We know this. So in our district, they started the year online for two weeks and then they were in person at school. And then depending on what was going on in that specific community, maybe they were online because they were, their cohort had to be sequestered, like, Mm -hmm. right. And then between Thanksgiving and Christmas, they were online and Mm -hmm. the use of technology was just heightened because we know we could be quarantined any day now. And we were right. Mm -hmm. Carrie, you more than like most people I know you and (laughs) (laughs) with different situations, 
Um, yeah. So that was happening during their first grade year all year long. Right mm-hmm. now it's second grade and the things that I would usually expect a second grader to be able to do, it's not happening. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So again, <laughs> I am doing a lot of the things with second graders that I'm doing with kindergartners, right? Not literature necessarily, necessarily not songs and materials, but as far as here's how we make a circle. Here is how we move from your music class seat into a scattered formation, right? And I do have um, a sequence for this. And I, what did I do? I wrote it down somewhere. Oh, I think I'm getting into what we're working on. We'll talk in a second about what we're working on. Um, but in kindergarten, second grade, also here's the number one thing. Their stamina is not there. Right. If they were online. Or if they were, you know, even coming out of summer is one thing, but coming out of what they've been doing for the past two, two years, they just don't have the stamina for a 45 minute music class, a traditional 45 minute music class that I might've done like five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, I know this is the case with you. I have my little ones at the end of the day, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, oh my goodness, day one with kindergarten, I should have filmed it because- They were so tired. I should have filmed it for the for the schadenfreude effect for anybody who is like doubting themselves as a music teacher. I would have been like, check out this hot mess. Yeah. And guess what? It gets better. So like, yeah. oh my goodness, day one with kindergarten, there was crying, there was wailing, there was um, those poor kindergartners, I think- what really hurt is that when they got up from their classroom to line up to go to music, like I think two thirds of them thought they were going home. Right. Right. Because oh, yeah. they're like, are we done yet? Are we done yeah. yet? And now, no, here come meet this new person and go into this different room. And here's a whole different experience. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, that first day was rough. It's kind of like, let's get through this first day so we can just get our feet wet and then we'll be moving and grooving. Yeah. So with kindergarten and second grade, we, we, you and I have talked a lot about this idea of in a, within a lesson plan, we tax them, then we relax them. Mm-hmm. There was a lot more relaxing them. Right. Yeah. And when we yeah. talk about relax, then we don't necessarily mean lying on the floor, but like maybe hearing a book or maybe doing a familiar song. Well, guess what? The relax them actually was more lying on the floor. Yeah. So I, did a lot more mindful musical minutes. Like, guess what, boys and girls, we're going to lie down. We're going to listen to this piece of music. Your job is to either lie down or if you want to sit up and just listen. And really, I was going to do it for two minutes, but I ended up doing it for four minutes on the first two days of music class. And it's what they needed. Yeah. 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 So um, another thing with kindergarten and second grade with, with all the grades is that it's going to be more teacher driven. It's going to be more teacher work yes. and that's to be expected because it has to be because they don't know what's going on yet. Right. Yeah. So you and I were talking off mic about how our voices are tired and yes. I, I think I'm speaking about three octaves lower than I usually speak because <laughs> my voice is tired. Wow. If you're not tired after your very first week of teaching as a music teacher, well, cool. Good for you. I was going to say, <laughs> you're not doing it right, but that sounds horrible. No, I'm you're not, not- going to say you're not doing it right. I'm just saying that's cool. Good for, good you. for you. I've never, uh, I've never not been to, I mean, I was yesterday was Friday. Um, I was in bed at eight 45. <laughs> 
Well, I was with a beer at 845. Well, but... there was a beer before the 845. Yeah, right? but, but I was yeah. in bed not much later than that. Yeah. So anyway, in kindergarten, second grade, it's all about like review, not even reviewing, but like, look, here we are. Here's the music room. Here's how we take hands. Here's mm-hmm. how we do this. I was reviewing comparatives, kindergarten through second grade. Oh, yeah. So, yeah even second grade. So I can't say that we really got into anything. We didn't get into anything new K through two. Yeah. Wow. All right. Okay. Should we talk about, I kind of alluded to what we're working on, but talk, talk about what's, what you're working on. Yeah. Um, how you're moving forward, Carrie. Oh yeah. Next steps. Um, so I will say just exactly like you said, so much was teacher driven. I mean, really even in, in the older grades, um, a lot of it was teacher driven and, Um, So I'm going to really do a lot more um, intentional small group and partner work with my older students next week, um, making sure they're driving more of of the work themselves and like you said, more choice and voice, Um, less whole group, more small group. And that's a nice thing that we can be in small groups and face each other again. Yes. Um, I'm also, I I did this intentionally. I didn't do a lot of kind of like you said, um, getting to know you as an individual student. I know that sounds horrible in the first week. Let me tell you a story. My son is a seventh grader. And so um, last year was weird. This year was his first year of going to a traditional day of middle school where he has six classes in one day. This has never happened to him before. And I asked him after his first day how it was. And he's like, we just did the same thing in every class. And I said, what do you mean? He said, it was just like, get to know you, get to know you, get to know you. And he was kind of annoyed by that. And I reflected Mm -hmm. on that a little bit. And I thought, you know, I think there's something to be said for that. Now, I understand elementary is different. They're not going to six classes. But I know that this year, our classroom teachers were given the permission and were expected to do a lot of those get to know you activities with their students to build community this year, even more than ever. So I thought, okay, (laughs) that doesn't mean I'm not going to do some of that. I did do some of that. But like you said, in very musical ways, like we still did jump in, jump out, turn yourself about with the older kids where they just say their name and something they like. But I didn't really go deep with the kids and I didn't have them do any individual worksheets or individual tasks because I intentionally thought but, you know, we're just going to build kind of the whole group community and then I'm going to work on building those one on one relationships with the kids as we move forward. I didn't want to do too much of that in the first week because I knew they were doing a lot of that in class all about me, all about me. And um, based on the feedback of my son, sometimes you just want to just do the thing like he was like, I just want to do school. I want to I don't want to keep talking about me. So I thought <laughs> for my students, I think they just want to do music. They want to sing. They want to play games. So all that to say in the coming weeks we are going to get connected to our to our google classroom and their individual tech and that's going to be a good time where they're going to do a lot of those more individual all about me type activities you know those this or that's and those you know those those fun little sel worksheets that i bought last year from music and motivate i'll link to those in the show notes um i i give them those electronically and they do those you know through google classroom so that's really what's what's coming in addition to more review more review more review and then when they're ready, new stuff, new stuff, new stuff. Yeah, totally. All right. How about you, Tanya? Well, yeah. So it's interesting because I feel like I'm flipped with you because I did <laughs> a lot of more like getting to know you. Here's our musical community. And now we're going to be getting into reviewing. So I did some review, but more and more review needs to happen. Um, and 
Um, I'm thinking specifically about the younger kids when I talk about scaffolded movement, which I alluded to before. So we started this, but we need to practice that we talk about uh, within kindergarten through second grade. Here we are, we're moving, we're moving in our spot, non-locomotor. Now we're taking it, we're locomotor, we're scattered around the room. We're keeping our hands to ourselves. We're making sure we don't reach out and tap on that drum over there. That's so inviting. Um, we also are making sure we're not touching other people. When we stop, we don't fall down. Like this has to happen. It's a process and they have to like know what the limitations are as far as like wh what's an appropriate way to move around the room. So I'm doing more and more movement around the room. Then stationary circle. How do we make a circle? Now I was missing this last year um, because we were supposed to be facing one direction, right? And we did not do, I actually at the end of the year, um, I was given the go ahead that I could make stationary circles, but we weren't taking hands. Right. I don't know about you, Carrie, but how hard is it to make a state, a circle when you don't take hands? It's hard. Yeah. Unless you have a rug or sit spots that help yeah. you do it. There's if no way. If you have those spots, you can go, go to that spot. Sure. That's great. I have never made circle spots just because I have on the floor, like classroom. This is us all looking at the board. Yeah. spots. And for me to also add a circle in there, I think it's just too confusing. It's too yeah. much, too much information. So we always do it making a circle with hands and then go see for yourself what's going to happen. The pulling, the yanking, the swinging of arms, the one kid who won't take the other kid's hands. And I'm talking K through two, right? Mm -hmm. So we did some circle making where we're a stationary circle. We take hands, but then we put them down. Then there's no hands. Then we're in the stationary circle doing the music activity like uh, Johnny works with one hammer and we're in a circle. We're all looking at each other, which builds that musical community too, because we can see each other, right? So after that, we, we we'll be doing a, uh, and we started a little bit, a circle that's moving, mm -hmm. which is a whole other animal, right? Uh, because then here comes back the swinging of the arms, the pulling, the yanking. So we got to establish, okay, our circle's moving. How do we make sure we stay this size? And you know, those circles, they shrink down. Yep. And then, oh, we got to get bigger. And then it gets too big and we're pulling and yanking. Someone cries because someone's yanked, all those things. Yep. So we, we've got to go through that learning process because a moving circle is not something you're going to, unless those kids have had experience, it's not going to happen the first day successfully. My, my circle chant. <laughs> oh, it, I have a circle rhyme. You can, okay, so let me hear your circle chant. It, it doesn't rhyme and it's not cute, but these are our reminders. Do not push, do not pull, do not squeeze, and do not swing. Because that covers <laughs> the things that typically happen, right? So they'll, right. they'll echo each one after me. Do not push, do not push, do not pull, do not pull, do not squeeze, do not swing. And then we start whatever game it is we're going to do. That just is like our little opening chant before we do the actual game. Oh, that's a good one. And you'll put <laughs> that mean, in the show notes, right? I'll put it, I mean, I'm telling you, it took me a lot of time to come up with that little ditty. <laughs> <laughs> It's but it's just one. those last minute reminders. And then obviously by, by middle of September, if I'm still saying these things, we've got bigger fish to fry, you know? Yes. Yeah. I have a circle song and it's just kind of this Pavlovian response that I start building in kindergarten and I probably should change it up because it's been years and years and years. I say, let's make a circle round and fat. Let's make a circle just like that. And by the end of the song, they got to be in the circle. 
nice you know with hands and so you know it gets to the point that when they hear let's make it they start moving mm -hmm. it's yeah. it's just something that just gets baked in and that's yep. that's served me well so oh, yeah. i'm gonna keep driving that one maybe i'll add your 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 chant though if my I'm little close. chant that would be well that my chant is more about the no-nos of what to do when you're <laughs> in the circle and i know it's all said in a negative way instead of a positive no, i was way. gonna say that would be really fun if we could swing our hands while we're saying it but yeah. that would be funny mm -hmm. but no <laughs> All right. So yeah, I'm scaffolding all these movement things, right? Because you cannot expect. Um, and little little side note, any newer teachers listening, please don't take it personally. Don't take anything personally. If a kid is just like, you said this, I'm doing that, right? It happens. This oh, is yeah. just how that goes. They want to they want to test the boundaries. Yep. They want to see what they can do. It's not about you. It's no almost never about you the teacher no unless they keep doing that right because you've allowed it then it's about you all right because you've shown them uh-huh well don't do what i say please just do whatever you want yeah, yeah but that's another that's another podcast all right uh in all grades we're doing that rediscovering our voices now you and i also talked off mic about this but i am just so pleasantly pleased with my third through sixth graders they are singing and they're singing for the most part in tune they are and it was like they were hungry for it like i'm like and yes we're singing and you know here's this song echo this part you're the response i'm the call can you sing um alabama gal that's your job and they're just there for it and this is just uh, this is the payoff from being at a school for a number of years. Yes. If you're a first year at a building, it's going to look different. Yes. But um, my kids that are in third through sixth grade and a little bit of second grade, they've been lejeunized. So they've, they're doing these things. It's second nature, even though it went away for a while, they can just get back in and they seem to enjoy it. I haven't had to really sell anybody on like, oh, come on, you can sing. Where's your singing? But that's not happening. It's just, it's coming out. And even my newer kids, they, we've had this discussion too. Those new kids who haven't been to the school before, they're looking around the room and they're like, what? This is the norm? Okay. What? what? Okay, fine. <laughs> Right. And then they're, they're just joining in. So that yeah. has been a lovely discovery that after all this time, we still love to sing. We're still doing it. So we're, re we're rediscovering our voices. We're rediscovering moving around. And I'm also discovering what we know and what we don't know. Now with some grades, I'm straight up asking them, all right, let's make a list of rhythms that we know. Let me, let me see your hands. Right. And like I was talking to you earlier about like, I'm really working hard to not give any little hints. Like, let's just see. And they'll tell you. And that's great. Um, melodically, I know there's a lot more work to do when we're talking about specific soulfish pitches and um, relationships and on the staff because melodically, is, is always harder than rhythmically, right? Yeah, like because we have to be able to sing in tune before we really are able to internalize and understand the melodic relationships between pitches and all of that. Plus last year, there was a lot less of that. So just understand from the get-go, melodic is gonna be more challenging. It's gonna take longer than your rhythmic stuff. And like you were talking about using 
you know, current pop music, rock music, all of that. Um, there's a little Instagram reel that I just put up yesterday. So I figured out a little song that I initially was using to review rhythms with where the kids were um, reading uh, the rhythms off of these, uh, my rhythmic flashcards. And we were doing it to BTS's uh, Dynamite. Mm-hmm which has a, is, is a really good tempo for those older kids to read simple rhythms. Mm-hmm. And then um, we figured out the solfege to just the little chorus that comes up over and over again. Yeah. And, and that was a, like a really fun discovery because when I was singing it with my kids, which by the way, it goes like this. Do, la, so, fa, mi, ni, re, do, do, for dynamite. Um, I had a couple of girls who were like, oh my, I knew that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know it, kid, because we played it 10 seconds ago. But yeah, the discovery of like, ooh, wow, you know, we can apply this to songs that we know outside of the music room. That's worth a lot, too. And I need to do more of that. I know this. All right. So this is what we're working on in the future. Just getting back into the groove. Review, review. It's all good. Um, I love your year plan, Carrie, your year plan format. And I'm using it. Um, Thank you because I like how it's a lot more um, open-ended. Yeah. It's not, it's not super, because we let's be realistic. Uh, I'll make myself cry come November or February if I get way specific with my year plans, because mm-hmm. things things will happen or not And happen. I, I'll share it on the show notes, people. It's really not complicated. It's not a huge template. It's just, it's a real simplified template that's just kind of chunked out. Um, our, our Mine is by week. Uh, I'll, I'll link to it and then I'll show you an example of my fourth grade plan. If anyone wants to use it, feel free. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I didn't mean to push you into that. But no, no, I don't mind it at all. Just to say, I've used more detailed year plans in the past. That's not going to serve me this year. No, right? no. Yeah. This year, so. it's all about having things you can easily shift boxes from here to here and feel okay about yourself when you do exactly all right so now that we're in the back to school groove we're bringing back our work smarter not harder teacher tips these are just little tips or reminders of things that hopefully make your teaching life easier so tanya what are you thinking Okay. Um, Just something to consider. So when we talk about class rewards, like behavior-based, I know a lot of teachers do things like, okay, whole class reward after we move our clothespin to like a certain piano key or up the scale, um, up a treble clef staff, or, you know, there's all different ways to do these classroom rewards, which I think is a fine thing. But um, this year, and I actually did this last year as well, I started doing this not publicly. It's not posted in the room. I put it in my Google Slides um, for the end of class. And I've been doing this, you know, on a class by class basis where, okay, I, I use beats like as in the study beat. Like if we earn this many beats by Friday, then we get Friday fun time, which is honestly 10 minutes of like something that that the class chooses and it's you know it's it's your typical reward thing we we don't do food we are discouraged from doing that and I agree with that um you know that's that's a lot of 
a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of mess. And, and so, yeah, it's just like a 10 minute Friday free time, but my really what I'm driving at is, is this something that you really want to show and make public for all the other classes to see how this class is doing? And the reason I say that is because you might find that classes and students will see it as a competition between classes. Now, competition can be a very positive thing and it can motivate, but it also can distract and kind of make people feel not so awesome, right? I am not a person individually who is motivated by competition. My general, like my natural inclination, if someone's like, I'll race you, or not even physically, but like, you know, ooh, now we're in competition. I usually am the one who's like walking away and says, not for me, no thanks. I'm, I'm not competitive by nature. Um, and then there are kids who, not just kids, people who are so motivated by competition that if they are not quote winning, it destroys like, I can't function. Like I can't go on because I'm not winning. And I mean, we see this in our society just from like, oh, the Broncos played the football game over the weekend and they didn't win. And you can expect to see grumpiness on Monday morning, which I think is kind of sad and ridiculous that, you know, we let that drive our emotions, but whatever, that's a different story. Anyway, I am not displaying for all to see how classes are doing in earning their reward for their free Friday time, because I really don't want to set up a competition where a class who might have more trouble getting there sees, oh my goodness, we only earned three beats this week, but Mrs. Johnson's class, they earned eight beats. Oh, we feel like, oh, what's wrong with us? Like, I don't want to set that up. So I'm doing it class by class privately. So that's my work smarter, not harder, not because it's something that you definitely should do, but just something to consider that um, I, I find myself working harder when I have to talk kids or classes up about how they're doing or like reel it in when I might have kids who are like, ooh, look at us. We're awesome compared to all these other classes. So just something to think about. Yeah. And I'll say I've already started my reward system and it is on a chart in my homeschool where um, we just each day they can earn a letter to the word music. And when they spell music, they get some some fun choice time in the next lesson. Um, It is up there to display. And I've had to give the caveat before and I'll probably have to do it again is don't compare your class to other classes, because remember, maybe there was a day where you had music that day, but they didn't because there was a fire drill or there was no school. And when I explain that most of the time they get it, but I do understand what you're saying. So with that in mind, I think I'm going to try at my traveling school to not have it be a public chart I'll do it electronically and then I'll kind of have a be able to compare the two and kind of see the vibe between the two yeah that's an interesting idea thanks for sharing Tanya of course and it's time for our CODA section oh yes um by the way We usually do a no better, do better section that will be coming back um, in a couple of episodes. We just thought with the beginning of the school year, uh, we just wanted to just, you know, talk a little more extemporaneously in other sections. But yes, no better, do better is coming back right now. We're going to do something totally 
unused, unclassroom related, maybe something we've been enjoying inside or probably outside of the classroom. What have you got for us today, Carrie? Okay, this is so silly and domestic, but it brings me joy. So I will share it. Um, Are you going to talk is- about like a kitchen appliance we need? Um, no, probably even worse. Um, this is keeping, keeping in mind, you know, getting back into school routines and, you know, those of you who have families and other people in your home that you are dealing with and taking care of. Anyways, there's something that I love so much. I love it more than I should. It is my menu board (laughs) that sticks on my refrigerator. Um, I do love to cook. Cooking is is actually my way of like decompressing at the end of the day. I don't want other people to cook. I do like to cook. The the agreement is then I don't clean up. I don't do the dishes. My family does help with that part. But when it comes to the cooking, it's something I enjoy and I love and it relaxes me. What I hate is my children asking me every five minutes, what's for dinner? And I also hate if I don't know what's for dinner, then dinner doesn't get started and then it throws off our day. And now that my kids are older and we have so many after school activities and rehearsals and things, um, meal planning is a must in my family. So if you're not a meal planner already, I encourage you to consider it, even if it's just cooking for one or two, because I just think it just brings that lovely like piece of like, oh, I know it's for dinner. I know I have the food in my fridge and I will link to the specific menu board I have. I mean, there's a gazillion of these out there. Um, this one is a big magnetic one that sticks on the fridge or some other magnetic surface. And then it comes with like chalk markers, dry erase. Chalk I markers. use this one too, because I saw <laughs> carries and yes, I I love using it too. I do not love cooking, but I like knowing what's happening. Yeah. And so and I assign it to different. So within like the boxes of like Monday, it'll be Tanya, but maybe Tuesday it'll be Craig. Yeah. And then my kids are old enough that I'm assigning them one night a week yeah. to cook. So yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter who's cooking. Um, my, my family helps me choose the meals, which is fine because then they have buy-in into what they're eating. Um, and then we try different things. Sometimes they go to a cookbook and they choose something that they want. And then uh, I, you know, within reason, <laughs> and then either we cook it together or I cook it. I mean, I do let them come in and help me, but I'm still, I'm the queen of the kitchen. That's just how it goes. So yeah. anyways, I'll link to this board, but just the general idea of meal planning, having something like this visual that helps you organize what your meal planning is and then you know doing your shopping on the weekend doing any food prep that you can on the weekend so that cooking is fun and enjoyable through the week so that's my coda so Tanya how about you well right before school started I don't know what it was but I was like must watch tv because um I hadn't been watching much tv I got a lot of books read over the summer which I was happy to do but um you know, it's funny because all these subscription services, uh, every time I think I want to get rid of one, uh, they start showing something that I need to see all of. So I'm a sucker. I know. And <laughs> Apple TV, which I got a free subscription to Apple TV when I bought my iPad this time last year as a birthday pr- present to myself. So I had a year's subscription of Apple TV. Did I watch Apple TV all year? No. Did I start watching Apple TV in the last month? Of course. 
because <laughs> there's a show called Schmigadoon. Oh yeah. Yes. That uh Carrie, you just have to you just have to come over and, and watch on I don't um, have Apple TV. But, I know you just have to come over. But, but I hear it's awesome. Yeah. If you know musicals, especially old timey music, old timey is funny. Uh, but like Brigadoon, like um Carousel, like you know, so many you know, guys and dolls, all these things that this is put out by um, the SNL people. So Cicely Strong and Keegan-Michael Key star as a couple who are hiking and they get lost They go over a bridge and they're in Schmigadoon where everything is like a musical number. And it's really hilarious because they know they're in a musical and Cicely Strong's character is very pleased because um, she is familiar with musicals and, and she thinks it's awesome, but Keegan-Michael Key is like, you're, I don't know. I don't, I don't, my husband's okay, but doesn't know musicals. Maybe like your husband be like, oh my gosh, here Who comes another musicals, song. musicals, but gets annoyed by them, but like <laughs> certain ones, but not all musicals. Yeah. Right. So it's funny because, you know, all of a sudden everybody around them starts breaking into song and there's a lot of eye rolling from him and a lot of like delightful, from her and um <laughs> of course it also has like very well-known musical theater people um Kristen Chanowith is in it Fred Armiston is in there um oh it's just so much fun it's just it's it's awesome you must see Schmigadoon and you will recognize like my daughter I made her watch it with me and she was very eye rolly about it, but she does know musicals because she was like, can I go now? I said, you can only go if you can tell me what two musicals are, are they like aping right now? And she's like, Brigadoon in Oklahoma. I'm like, yes, you're correct, but you should stick around and watch. But she left anyway. So yeah, Schmigadoon. Awesome. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Our show notes can be found at musicteacherCoffeeTalkPodcast.com. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. In our next episode, we'll be talking about songs, activities, and sequencing for your older beginner students. So until next time, this is Tanya. And this is Carrie wishing you happy musicking.